Hello, hello. I'm here to tell you a story tonight. Once upon a time, there was a handsome knight fell in love with a beautiful princess and prepared for her magnificent dowry for her betrothal. But before he could take her into the wedding chamber, a thief came, stole her away, and incarcerated her after blinding her. The knight went in search of her and spent 30 years and a few more in many trials and combats in order to find her and take her out of that prison, restore her to her previous glory and crown her as his queen. There's a parable to this story, which is where we are going to take you tonight. Are you ready to join us in the ark? Come with us on the trip. Whoops, I bungled that. Okay, fine. <laughs> we have been practicing so much. I am worn out with tech tests. This is it. This is it. This is real. This is we are the story we've been dying to tell you for, I don't know, how long have we been working together to try to figure out how to narrate this particular mystery for everyone? Probably since the beginning without realizing it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's the it's the it's the immediate backstory to the long poem that we're working on for Draco Alchemicus, but it's a story that I've been working on. Yes, but it's like my entire academic career, but indeed it's isn't it the story that our soul longs to be a part of. So, did you did you did you figure out the parable yet? Do you do you know what what would I, what what story was I telling? What was I telling there? The love and night. Oh. That sounds, that, that sounds romantic and chivalrous and chivalrous. This, this, this knight that prepares a gorgeous dowry for his beloved. And I was, I was sort of hesitating. I was telling, it's like, does she want to go with that, that thief that steals her away and throws her in prison and blinds her? Or is she reluctant? Is, and, and when he, when, mm -hmm. you know, when he finds her in that prison, does she, you know, blame him for not showing up sooner um, does she say, you know, why, what took you so long? Why did you leave me languishing here for, for years and years and decades and centuries and millennia? Mm. Well, it's, 
This is the great, the great Christian story, right? Oh, you gave it away. Oh, am I not supposed to? Oh. Do you think? Do you think? Do you think they recognized it as the Christian story when I was telling it? Is it? Is it obvious, or is it something that we don't tend to think about as the Christian story? Well, it depends on if uh, if people are remembering Christ as the groom, as the bridegroom of the church, right? Right. But this this all depends on how romantic you want to be in your Christianity. <laughs> I I'm not sure. I mean, I realize the the story contains. It, if you all haven't guessed, it's a medieval exemplum. Um, and as I was telling it, I was trying to tell it the way you know the preachers might set you up, right? That you have a these characters, these clearly allegorical um, characters in the parable, and it is meant to be to, to a certain degree obvious who the who the main characters are. But why cast the Christian mystery that way? Um, think, sort of think about other ways that we explain our redemption, our salvation. And we, we spent the la you and I spent the last episode talking about the Ark and Mary and the Ark, and um, you know answering the kinds of criticisms that we often hear online, in, in the internet, in the stream, yeah. about who Mary is and, and what her role is. And you get the, the, the predictable ones of, well, you know, Christ has to save her. She, she, can't, she can't be immaculately conceived because, of course, he has to save her too. Here, today, we're doing the story of, in fact, what his, you know, how does he save us? What does that mean for, him, for Christ to save us? Exactly what kind of salvation is the incarnation, crucifixion, and resurrection? Mm -hmm. Is it a problem? So, Do you have? Go ahead. Well, I'm just thinking. Uh, this this uh, kind of story seems a bit outdated in our culture now. To be talking mm. about knights saving princesses from uh, <laughs> <laughs> outdated? How possibly serial killers? Um. So why is it important? Why was it important to medieval Christians, this pattern, this type? Well, I mean, one easy way to say it is it, it's just, it's, you know, medieval knights, um, uh, yeah. you know, they're, they're, they're it, it fits in the, well, my favorite movie, right? A Knight's Tale um, with Heath Ledger. And, you know, I have no idea who the actress was who plays the, the love interest because it doesn't really matter. <laughs> It's 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 you're you're focused on Heath Ledger as the knight, um, and um, there's a there's a you know this story plays out in that narrative quite well that he is of he's not noble he's of humble birth and has to rise to nobility and um, win his win his princess by jousting well and overcoming the evil black knight who is going to rat I mean there's that whole there's that whole scene when. Um, Oh God! I almost remember the, the the name of the guy who's playing the the bad guy, the knight, um, when he's describing to her to the princess um, what jousting is like, and it's all you know quite sexual and stuff in in mm -hmm. his description. And she's you know she's obviously meant to be you know sort of titillated and 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 intrigued, um, even if she's not going to give in to him that at, in that moment. So it, it you could just say it's it's just playing off of. 12th, 13th, 14th century um, court, court, uh, courtly fantasy of the way men and women are supposed to behave. But why did, why did that develop? Uh, it's, it's sort of a, it's a unique thing 
to uh, at least from my understanding, it's a unique thing to that uh, time period and that uh, Western Europe had this idealized uh, uh, concept of courtly love, that nightly that nightly service. How did that develop? Why was it so important to them? Well, what's funny is, well, well you know, we can, I, we're, we're in a moment in which, you know, defending chivalry comes, comes in a, a variety of ways, right? Because you could say yeah. he's, he's, um, you know, simping for the soul, the simping for the, the lady, <laughs> right? Uh, and, and, and there is, you know, there is an element of that. It's like, you know, it, if, if you tell it in the fashion that she willingly goes off with this, this other character, the, the, the thief, She's an adulteress. Why should the the knight go after her, right? And why sh why should he even care about rescuing her when she's um has she been has she been raped or has she been seduced and and mm. taken away? Um but the you know the the sort of larger problem is the degree to which that chivalric model of knightly service and and ladies, you know, giving themselves to the to the men who are, you know, willing to tournament in their favor. In in Knight's Tale, uh, you know, there's there's the, the lovely exchange when uh, Will, the the knight, is saying, you know, I will win this bout for you, and she says, Why? <laughs> how how does that actually help me? If you you know go poke you know this other knight off his horse with a stick, what you know what what could that possibly mean? So there's a there's a kind of feeling of nonsense. Why should he battle for her? Um, but there's also a definite, you know, violence. And, you know, is he, is he going to go kill this, this thief and rescue her and bring her back? Um, but the, the problem being in, you know, medieval culture, A, whether that actually ever happened um, mm -hmm. in terms of, you know, actual courtship. F marriages tended to be, even after the church steps in and makes sure that the the women get to say I do, they still tend to be very much family arrangements, particularly in the mm -hmm. among the nobility. So whether or not this is a fantasy that never gets to be realized, because of course they don't get to pick either the men or the women; their parents are making the decisions for them, um, or whether it's you know a fantasy of in fact illicit love that the troubadour songs famously the the, the knights singing for the lady they can't get. Definitely, you know, definitely the 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 gamma or the simp model of oh well she should be in love with me because because she's a beautiful lady and I can sing songs well for her. I, there's mm -hmm. it, it's it's a, it's a challenging um, tradition to long for at the moment because we've seen we've seen a, a, a variety of ways in which chivalry plays out badly, I suppose. And we haven't even gotten to the feminist, the, femi the feminist, the <laughs> feminist critiques. Well, I mean, you, you, my dear, mm. are famous on the internet for um, some of the, some some attacks that you make uh, against men who do not want to behave chivalrously. Yes, I'm kind of a bitch <laughs> like that. <laughs> oh, tell tell the viewers that don't know you as well as we do. What, oh. what is what is your beef with with what's going on in the in the internet? courtships the internet courtships it's it's more that the 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 horror of post-feminism western culture has been distilled into a goop that is now spread across the interwebs <laughs> and so what what you see is 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 the worst of everything in including how men are responding to the takeover uh of women by the feminist ideology it's very strange to me. So, like, 
when I'm talking to uh, a lot of guys who are uh, responding to this and saying how horrible it is and all of these feminists are terrible, their response to it still seems to put women in the position where they're entirely responsible for everything going on, mm. which to me has seemed an odd thing because if you do truly believe in the authority of man, you know, that, that a man is endowed with a particular authority by God that a woman is not, and you believe in patriarchy, at what point is it entirely women's fault that they've, they've you know, rushed like lemmings off a cliff? in the race for equality with men. Mm -hmm. So I've been like, I've been talking to everybody about all of these kinds of things, but also the way that men and women are behaving on the internet. I mean, this is the first time I've been female online. (laughs) (laughs) I've 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 just gone through a weird digital gender transition from (laughs) anyone that doesn't know me very well. I was a man on the, on the internet for what, two years was it? Three. About three years, and it was fantastic. <laughs> what, a lot what of was, people. Well, you, 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 gender fluid in your internet presence. What was different about it? What, why did, what kind of character did you get to be as a man on the internet? Um, hmm. Great question. On on the internet. So I've said this before when someone said, "Oh, you should act more ladylike on the internet." So now I'm. I'm in a strange predicament because until recently, uh, having come out as completely female, there, to me there was no point being feminine on the internet. The internet is an environment of pure intellect. You're disembodied. Right. So you're in this world where your physicality doesn't have any uh, influence whatsoever. It's this disembodied abstract world where... Uh, you're engaged in a kind of combat of intellect and personality and creativity, which is very masculine. The way that the environment is sort of set up is built for a a kind of creative competition that I don't think fits the kind of competitiveness that women are generally engaged in. So if I'm talking to everybody online, it was like, what, a year and a half before everyone realized that I may actually be a woman. <laughs> it's because I got, <laughs> I got to, I got to speak with pure intellect mm-hmm. without pathos that comes along with being a, a female. And it was really lovely. <laughs> and now, and now I've, now I've gone into the, the, the other sort of stage where I have to engage with people online and be female uh very strange i don't know if i'm doing a very good job explaining this but well i'm just i'm just thinking through this so we're our <laughs> our story is this christ as lover knight rescuing the soul from the, the thief um yes. and the, and and the character that we're that we're wanting to explore is this this chivalric knight and and, and christ as warrior which is, is sort of complicated didn't joust he died on the cross um and the 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 sort of character of the soul in this story is female and she represents well human nature to a certain extent and and then and then we end up with well this 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 incredible exactly for whom is this story relevant do women want to be rescued by christ as knight well you know 
depending on who's portraying him in the movie, right? <laughs> that there, there is, <laughs> a, 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 you know, making, making Christ, I mean, certainly in um, Mel Gibson's The Passion of the Christ, um, it, he's portrayed quite um, masculine. I mean, he's, he's the, the, the Kevaziel's, I, I can't ever remember how to say his name, Jim, the, the, the handsome Christ guy, fairly tall, um, yes. he's, he's given a very masculine, um, character, but the, you know, the problem always in Christianity is he, he, you know, he's tortured to death. So exactly how is that a heroic activity? He's not, he's not, you know, going in and slaying monsters, um, it, as a, as a, as a true knight. He's, there's no dragon that he gets to, you know, to slaughter and rescue the maiden from. And yet here we have this medieval attempt to in fact make the christian story that right the 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 knight mm-hmm. rescuing the lady from the dragon effectively i mean it's saint saint george think of saint george and yes. and then and then think why isn't christianity usually simply monster slayer rescues princess okay so there's there's that that you know the, you're already into several layers there it's like what is god what is humanity what is the knight what is the dragon um, and then when you were talking about, well, but in this, this world of the internet mm. where we are, um, I mean, it, in text world, we're, we're pure intellect in, in, in visual or, um, audio world, it's a little different right now. You are, you and I are still on the internet, but now it's clear that in physical form, you're <laughs> maybe not what people, <laughs> yeah, maybe right. not what people expected from your solely verbal form, which fits with our media, yes. our media meditations too. It's like, how can you be in text, not recognizable as female? Um, whereas in your physical reality or, or your oral reality, right? Our voice, it's harder to change our voices as, as women that we don't yes. have that register. Um, then we, then we end the, up incarnate oh. in a different way. But then on the other hand, of course, we've also been gesturing towards the problem of the internet as being this um, gender-confused place of the rainbow people. Yes, absolutely. And I don't want people to think that I'm celebrating gender confusion when I'm talking right. about how hilarious this experience was. <laughs> I suppose wrapping back around to how I'm having discussions with men on the internet, men and women on the internet right. regarding chivalry, I was born into an environment where I had to become masculine in order to perform. Every woman posts third wave wave feminism. Every single woman in a Western environment has had to become masculine. And this is something which I have been trying to explain to people. It's not just a case of feminism wanting equality with men. The environment does not allow us to develop with a healthy sense of... um, our feminine instincts. Mm. I mean, from the beginning of uh, a, a woman's education in most government environments, what we're asked to do is enter in, you know, enter a classroom, replaced alongside boys, with the vision that at the end of this educational process, we're going to be entering an economy to compete against the same people we're sitting uh, beside. Right. So. I may be more cognizant of this than a lot of other women are, but having left the West and come back into it, I'm very aware that uh, the the game of playing a man on Telegram was very easy because I've had to do it already mm-hmm. since I was young. 
and people can say, oh, what, do you, what are you talking about? You know, women don't have to become men, blah, blah, blah. You, <clears throat> in a traditional society, uh, the economic powerhouse of the, of the home was the woman. That's the home economy. But outside of the home, men were expected to perform, provide, invent, um, trade. Like that external uh, economy was completely controlled by men. So we've had the role flipped. Women have been pushed out of uh, out of the home. So when I'm kind of celebrating that I could trick everybody into thinking <laughs> that I was a man, it's it's sort of like, well, surprise, guys. I'm what women have had to right. do. I'm just much more honest about it. I am telling you all that I can play man because that's what all of your women have had to do for the last 80 years and they're really miserable. Whereas I'm enjoying it because I can switch and I go, okay, I'll like, I'll put kilts on the shelf <laughs> <laughs> and I'll go back to being a girl for the rest of the afternoon. But, um, it's very taxing psychologically. And I think this is where we're seeing all of this, um, Gender dysphoria, it's real. Mm -hmm. It's just that people aren't able to articulate exactly why they feel not quite themselves anymore. You're hyper-industrializing women to perform like men, and after a certain amount of generations, what do you think, of course, they're going to want to cut their breasts off? Right. Because we're psychologically turning into men. So it would then follow that the physicality would be adjusted. Um, you know, maybe I'm, I'm ranting a little bit too much about this, but uh, it's, it's something I think people need to think about. Um, the internet is the place of pure intellect, but it's also the place where people get to, I think, reveal the full extent of the damage that all of these cultural engineering mm. processes have had on them. So it really pops out very strongly. Well, I just played up. Well, I'm enjoying this because this wasn't where I planned to take us, but we're going here now okay. anyway. I like, I like, <laughs> no, it's, 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 the, I, this is, this is, I think, you know, it's like we're learning what happens when we leap in this, the, our mosaic arc and like it sails yeah. off into, wait, oh, now we're over here. Um, <laughs> that. We'll get back to chivalry. Well, we're, we're, we're still, no, we're still, the thing is we're still in chivalry and we're still in sort of what is salvation and what is God's relationship to our soul which in the medieval story is cast as this, you know, the princess needs rescue from the night. And people are looking at, say, the, the portrayal of Galadriel in the new Amazon series, right? And, mm. um, you know, she has, to, she has to be in armor. Or, or we're talking about the um, Joan of Arc play that's being put on in London at the Globe, and they have to make her non-binary so that she's a, a they, um, and, you know, th th there's an irony in that. It's like we do have Joan of Arc in our our stories of, yes. you know, what is what what does Christ call call women to be here? She is. She did. She did don armor, um, although whether we have an yes. actual picture of her in, in the armor, there's a, a later drawing of it, what she's wearing. But um, we don't want to be. But, but there's a. Women putting on the armor is saying, I don't want to be rescued. I, I, I need to be, I need to rescue myself. If, if, I mean, in the, I, someone was showing me on Social Galactic a little spoof um, trailer for the Amazon series with, with the Gladriel. Yeah. And, you know, th there's a, there's a potential romantic interest, 
but she's you know gonna deny it right no i'm here we're here to fight i need we need to fight and it's like why do the women need to have the armor what what is it about putting and i'm coming i'm a little tired because i'm finally getting back to my fencing practice right i was at fencing practice last night fencing women and men well younger 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 people and the young men can beat me very effectively and the young women can beat me very effectively and oh right i'm tired what am i what am i as a, you know nearly 60 i'm not yet but you know getting pretty close there doing playing with toy swords training uh well i mean from from what i've learned of you fencing you're training your self-control it's not necessarily about the combat is it well the irony of it is is you know that i get into fencing back 20 years nearly 20 years ago now um because i was interested in the military metaphors in monastic discipline mm. uh, which have a you know, very strong martial character which is is kind of fascinating um and i realized that that physical training which as we've been talking about we don't get on the internet right you get i've been i to, to learn how to be i i now i now understand that there's an a, there's a very large community out there on something called twitch <laughs> <laughs> I spent I spent the last two weeks watching, you know, YouTube videos on OBS and wow, there's a lot of people out there that really know how to use this 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 programming, this software to to, to make videos and, and do this thing called live streaming. And they're all on this this platform called Twitch, playing games, right? Um, but they're not physical. They're they're a simulation of the physical. And it's like, is this spiritual, yes. intellectual? What is it? What is this? media place that we're in, which we, we seem to need to keep thinking about as we, as we find ourselves further, going further and further into the stream, um, that simulates combat, but isn't. That's a great question. <clears throat> For me, it's felt very much like the sharpening of an internal response to provocation. So like if you're getting trolled constantly, like we we have in all of our chat rooms these bouts. Mm -hmm. In DCR, you bout uh you bout your opponents. Like we we we've encouraged this as well you have <laughs> the culture of the uh of Well the, to be um, fair to me I might the first rule of of the Dragon Common Room is salute your opponent, which sometimes people exactly. forget. <laughs> Like um, they, they see combat as nothing but coming in and, and, and trashing trashing the room and then going, oh, nobody wants to fight and leaving. Yes. I said salute um, your opponent first. <laughs> salute your opponent. Um, but that's part, that's part of it as well. It's like it, it, fighting on the internet is learning how to fight well. It's just in a completely different way. Um, people have had that kind of training in dialectic dialectical arguments right. but also in rhetorical arguments i mean basically just bombarding each other with slurs until someone reacts or uh whether or not you can see the joy in it as well and understanding it as a way of hazing each other to kind of figure out somebody else's edges and see where they're at and then open up for a, a deeper conversation on other issues right. kind of like um 
Oh, there's like well, one scene in the the second Matrix where Neo fights this guy called Seraph, and uh, he's just he doesn't even tell him he's about to fight him, and so this this guy just smacks Neo in the face and they start having a, a fight and he said why did you, you don't truly know someone until you fight them which I thought was quite a profound statement that's kind it's, of what we've yes, been it's doing true yes yeah so you don't really know someone until you fight them you don't really know yourself until you've been fighting and we're not living in a world where there are requirements for physical combat as much as there are the requirements for the intellectual and spiritual combat the media environment makes it uh, more pressing that people are prepared to have uh, an internal martial art right right but it's interesting you're right um, that you're saying it's intellectual it's it, it is spiritual it has spiritual effects yes but the the mode interestingly it's 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 highly dialectical theoretically mm. but for the most part i don't i don't see the logic in people's reactions right i i, I think it, i mean i've now i can't remember whether i said this in our streams yet or not but i i see them as a fencer sort of swiveling their blades around and actually making no real threat of attack i mean mm. true true fencers one you don't see it coming because they're 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 quite controlled and still in the way they set things up, um, and they don't they don't you know you can tell as a as a as someone who's watching for the attack you can tell the difference between you know someone's just waving their blade around and there's actually going to come something, and mm. the 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 that's that's all faking out and the fake out that you know I, I've seen most in the internet world is the the you know as you were saying getting people to just get angry yes and and lose their lose their focus so that they can't respond well yeah a lot of people do that um i i don't know it's it's a very strange thing that the the kind of baiting someone until they just blow up it can be done well and with purpose, but for the most part, I don't think people are really understanding the the value in that kind of pure intellect combat and what you can actually get out of it. Mm. Um, we we built this creative studio out of that uh, that those tensions, and and uh, every time, I mean, it's usually me because I'm fighting with everyone all the time. <laughs> But to a certain extent, we depend on you to do that. But on the other hand, yes, you are. But on the no, it's it's there's a I think you when I you say you do this as a man, not a woman. I say you do it as a warrior, not a, a, a um well work. I don't know. It's a, a trolley, a trolley to simply to get the reaction. You 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 seem to go in with a purpose to yes. get people to attend to something that you're trying to show them. Which is a different a different sort of engagement. Whereas, what I see, and I would say, if I'm going to be banned from the internet, I might as well be banned for something true. Women tend to do it a totally different way, right? They mm. play a very very different game, which is basically pay attention to me. I mean, we 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 <laughs> we live on it, ladies. <laughs> we we definitely want just to have someone pay attention. I've seen that. I, I've seen that. In, I'm now remembering it, watching it. DCR, right? I had a few uh, accounts that I just had to ban 
because they they were women or they were behaving like women um who really all they needed to do what they wanted to come into my chat and prance around and get all the men to pay attention to them and i'm just like this is not that role not that room go away this is yes. a fencing stall, and you can put your armor on and 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 do the bout but if you're in here disrupting that exercise in order to get the men to pay attention to you as a girl, it, it's, it's the wrong energy. Yes. Well, this is why I didn't want anyone to know I was a female for right. so long. Because I, really, uh, I was really enjoying the process of... It's, a, it's attentional redirection. So you get the attention for the... If baiting somebody, but... I'm not trying to get attention for myself. The idea is to redirect the attention onto concept and to the idea. Right. People have not had enough training thinking in the abstract about particular ideas instead of uh, making everything about themselves as, you know, uh, like they'll personalize a problem or they'll say, oh, you're saying this about X. I am connected to this thing. Therefore, you're attacking me as an individual. That's where people will blow out. Mm -hmm. But the idea of garnering that intense focus is to try and shift it over to something, which to me is just, that, I mean, this is like a recreation of the, the dramatic arts. You know? uh, this is what drama was supposed to do. You're, you're building the, the tension in, in an audience and then uh, getting everyone to focus on one particular thing and then sh sh shifting it somewhere and you're taking the you're taking the audience on a on a journey to to discovering some uh something that you want to show them whether it's like a particular the human psyche or you're, you're talking about a, a a way the human beings relate to each other i've done it a lot in order to get people to start discussing christianity um right and start to think about the Christian faith in a very different way than people are uh, have been used to doing. So it looks very unorthodox, and I think a lot of people have maybe thought that I was quite heretical in my approach. But at the end, I'm trying to get people to start to focus on things that have been buried. And uh, yeah, it's this is this is part of the challenge too. It's like right. Uh, I think losing that anonymity, uh, it's kind of changed the way that I can do it. But uh, this is a much more a masculine thing. This is the, I think this is one of the, the. Wait, I mean, sorry, the, which this? Because I've, oh, I've, I've got sorry. about, I, as, as usual, I've got about five ways that I can go from what you've been saying. And, and I want to make sure you've said what you were trying to say before I change it. <laughs> no, the dramatic genius. It's, it's masculine men used to do drama oh. like this shakespearean aha ah, and then you get the, yes you get the uh the reveal at the end it's still a very masculine thing so okay i hadn't thought of that i mean th that means that the poetry that we're trying to write is i mean it is masculine it's it's men men yes. wrote the kind of stories that we're saying but then but then i was thinking you're saying we are trying this is a big project of our live stream our podcasts is first why poetry why christianity mm. and why why our project in the dragon common room and i'm saying the why in this is why do we why do we know that we need to write the kinds of 
stories that we're doing in poem in in meter why christianity right yeah. the deep the deep questions is always about showing the way in which we under we know christianity from the liturgy from my research from our prayer life from the experiences that we've had all of all of these things that just feel lost and drained out of modernity i mean i regularly have conversations with catholic even catholics right who tell me that they've never heard what i'm talking about and i'm like well it, it was a pretty big deal for a millennium <laughs> and i'm not making this up it's in the sources and i know that it doesn't sound like anything you've ever heard even as catholics but it was the ancient you know the ancient and medieval tradition so we're trying to show them that Yes. Um, but that, you know, sort of at a, at a, at a even more poignant level, how to think about Christianity through story. So the why poetry and why Christianity is the same question, because it's like we start with this Christ as lover night exemplum. It's, it's very popular exemplum from the later Middle Ages and many, many sermon manuals. Their efforts to try to explain doctrine in this the particular version I was trying to play off as well. There is one version that I looked at today is Franciscan, right? They're trying to help people see the mystery of what God did for us, and they do it through these little stories that then open out into further mysteries, and you start you know mulling over well exactly what kind of relationship does God have to our soul and so forth, and that we can't do it except through those sorts of stories, which get totally lost. When you do the other thing that was very popular in the 12th and 13th century, which is end up in dialectical dispute. Mm. And, and, Baby you know, the, yeah, the sort of <laughs> chivalric, the chivalric problem is both, you know, these imaginative stories of knights and ladies and as Abelard famously described his own venturing from being a true, an actual knight of, you know, grew, grew up in a noble family and was meant to be as the oldest son, a knight. Uh, abandoning that, going off to Paris and its environs and jousting and in, in um, disputation. And then, of course, falling in love with his student, Eloise, and seducing her and et cetera, um, which is, you know, the other the other version of the great love story of of the period. It's like hyper intellectual. Eloise was very, very you know, masculine in her ability to read multiple languages and debate with Abelard, which is why they ended up having sex and a baby and getting married. And, you know, so there's a. I guess another level of my desire to show people Christianity is that it's all of the above all of the time. It's not just, can we prove, can we be in these internet online internet debates that are proof of doctrine or, you know, that we're also trying to show the mystery in the um, storytelling and art. I feel like yes. it's, it's kind of walked us and I've, I've walked myself into a dead end there because it's like, well, okay, so that's what we're doing. But <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the, Often the more is, pressing, real problem of which role should we take on? Um, well, that's a great question. I'm still trying to argue the necessity for chivalry in chat rooms. Okay, Not chivalry. to practice chivalry in right. chat rooms, but the necessity to revive the practice of chivalry in the outside world. Um, and of course, it's hilarious because I get yelled at all the time. Well, then, you know. Like, eat some soap, wash your mouth out, start behaving more like a female, and you might get a better outcome. I don't think people realize that what I'm doing is a provocation to have that kind of uh, conversation. But it's absolutely necessary because it's anchored in 
the role that Christ has played for the human race. And so as Christians, we're supposed to follow the archetype of the church as uh, the bride waiting for the bridegroom. Mm. Um, even in the way that marriage is described um, by the apostles, uh, the wives are submitting to their husbands, but the the husband is supposed to sacrifice himself for his wife in the same way Christ sacrificed himself for the church. So, Would you like to be on camera? I don't think so. <laughs> that was good right on time. <laughs> um, I missed what you were saying. Sorry. Oh, in the sense, in the sense that uh, the the process of getting married for men is an imitation of Christ, right? Uh, in the Christian tra tradition, and outside of Christianity, it's absolutely not that relationship between men and women is a completely different deal, which is where my uh, you know obsession over gold digging comes in. But without Christ, everything is gold digging. There is no chivalric love without without uh, Christ showing the pattern of how uh, marriage is supposed to be. So, um, well, let's let's look. So we've 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 opened this up as the sort of multiple layers of our actual behavior now that we need yeah. to deal with. Maybe we look at if we can look at the um, medieval story that I was trying to tell <laughs> um, at the outset um, and. You asked me early on, like, where did this come from? Yes. And I, I hemmed and hawed around chivalry and stuff, but there's also, a, there's, <laughs> there's some more specific places that the imagery comes from. And my guess is people are not used to thinking about Christ in these terms. I mean, you were, you were just quoting Ephesians with the, the husband is to the wife as Christ is to the church. But that, you know, we read that at marriage ceremonies and say, okay, well then, so traditional wives should be submissive and then the feminists get upset and say that's, you know, we don't want to be submissive. We want to be writing, writing the, the, the joust, jousting ourselves, right? We want to be Gladriel in armor, <laughs> right? Um, so the, the thinking about what the, you know, so what is the resistance to being as women to being rescued by night, the night in this, and what is the resistance for Christians that all of this plays out in terms of what relationship we should have to God. And it, it it's interesting because in the medieval, the medieval reading of the scriptures, this creates some very interesting gender problems for, for both women and men uh, that maybe mm -hmm. people aren't as familiar with or, or don't expect. So what I'm showing, what I'm showing everyone um, is uh it's a manuscript that's in Prague. Um, I'm gonna, I'll put it. I'll put the the uh, online digital version of it in the links to the the video. But it's Prague, um, Roman numeral fourteen A seventeen, and it's an early fourteenth century um, passionale that was made for a, a princess, an actual princess. She was the the daughter of the king, um, the Bohemian king, and um, was an abbess. So she was a Benedictine abbess, and this is a a little book of meditation sermons and meditations that um, was made specially for her. And the story that I was telling you at the beginning is illustrated here, right? So at the top we have the um, noble, the noble man betrothing himself to the um, captive um, young woman, the princess. Um, in the second picture, we have the, the thief, the Latro who's, 
uh, it, it's like he's handing her something. So he's he's seducing her away with other gifts, right? And then betrays her, blindfolds her, and throws her into uh, a prison which has flames coming out of its little tower, a flaming tower, right? So she's thrown into the darkness where she's blinded. Um, and then we see the nobleman as a knight spearing the thief through the throat so, <laughs> with his lance um, after having, you know, in, as the text explains, labored for 33 years, clearly Christ, um, yes. in, in trying to rescue her. And then he, he goes into the dungeon, the fiery dungeon, brings her out, um, sends her back on the throne and, and gives her a crown. Um, and then it says, you know, at the bottom, explicit parabola sequitur expositio. So here's here's the parable. The rest of the book is going to be the explanation of of who it is. And of course, it's interesting that we have the shield. I'm showing the shield now of who this knight is. And um, it's it's a very interesting heraldry because, well, it's got a, a cross across the the middle and a variety of, of weird little implements, right? Um, we've, got, we've got people in the chat. I'm wondering whether people looking at the chat can um, tell me what they see in the, in the, in the, in the picture. You, can you recognize all of these, these various implements? I know Casey is in there. She's been talking a lot. And Jedi Bear is, is there. Welcome, everyone. Jedi Bear and Casey have been having a, a little chat all, all by themselves. I'm wondering whether people can see can see what is going on here. We have um, a spear, a, uh, a wreath it looks like, a hammer, a, a weird little mm -hmm. lozenge thing with a, a red dot in the middle. <laughs> I'm wondering. I'm wondering whether they're clear enough. On some clothing. There's a wreath. Yeah, it's a wreath. Is it a wreath or a crown? Maybe. Mm -hmm. um, Yes, well, Casey gave it away. The, the instruments of Christ's torture and crucifixion, right? So it's it's te it's technically an iconography known as the Arm of Christi, the Arms of Christ. Mm -hmm. It becomes very popular in the later Middle Ages as a as a meditational guide, right? You're going to think on, and this I mentioned um, Mel Gibson's Passion of the Christ, um, which is clearly modeled on the Stations of the Cross. But it's also if you were, if you were meditating on all of the the torments and tortures that uh, Christ endured a, a, a diagram like this with showing you the different instruments of the passion would help you think through how he suffered at, you know, with the wounds at each one, we have the, the clothes, you know, a ladder, a shirt, two whips, tongs, a pike. Yes. Burning pitch. The, the, the these are the, 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 his garment and the little um, boxes above it, the dice that the soldiers used. Um, we have the pillar for the flagellation. The pliers are for pulling the nails out, and the and the ladder is for, you know, putting him up on the cross or bringing him down, and so forth. But arranged as if it is a knightly heraldic symbol. Right. Mm. Um, what What's interesting about this manuscript is it has it has another set of the of of the Arma Christi in a they're all more bloody. Um, but but clearly this sort of we're we're going to meditate on all the torture implements mm. in this story of Christ as the knight who is rescuing the lady by fighting off the the um the thief. The thief. <laughs> I didn't I I I ended up you know I sort of get in this place where if I'm if I'm in what I would be like in class which is now I'm showing you um in fact the full manuscript 
which you can see if you go to the if you go to the website you can see the the this is like being in the digital world now means i i you know i'm not dependent on showing you a picture or you you know you see a little black and white image in a book you know you can see a color picture of a single page in the book you can go online now and and page through effectively the whole book um these mm -hmm. manuscripts and so i mean what's interesting about this one is you see that it is it's a kind of comic strip effect right here's the here's the page yeah. where i was just showing you the um the knight and his and his rescue and then we go to um the the bigger story that it's a part of which is creation right so there's the creation of adam and eve the fall i i read a i read a a, a nice little essay on the source of this book and they're saying that these manuscript paintings this manus these are manuscript images but they don't look like manuscript images because usually manuscript images in the period have more framing and, and sort of background and so forth that these look like they were done by um, someone who's trained more as a wall painter. So they're seri okay. a series that looks somewhat like you'd see in a church, right, of, of all of these images. Here we have um, Adam and Eve being expelled and the dragon, uh, the, sorry, the, the dragon, <laughs> the devil, um, casting them into their own fiery prison. Mm. So, it, it, in in the sense that, and now we, and then we jump to the um, Annunciation and and the Nativity and so forth. So it's it's a whole it's a whole like comic book series of images with you know the the opening scene of saying here is the knight here is Christ as the knight or the 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 the, the here's the the pair. Sorry, I'm tangling it up. Here is the nobleman rescuing his bride from the the thief uh, you know by being chivalric and then the explanation is going to be and look our entire the the whole history of the fall to our redemption is going to be told as if it is also this chivalric story yes shall i keep, shall I keep going i can yes keep, keep, keep paging through so people can see it now we have then we've we've leapt to um the circumcision which you saw the knife of the circumcision if you were looking really carefully in the uh, instruments of the, the the passion, taking that the circumcision is the first violence inflicted on Christ, right? Because he's he's mm. he's circumcised it at, at um, in the temp in the temple when he's a baby, which is paired with here um, Christ's prayer in Gethsemane and um, the dro drops of blood, the, the blood that he sweats. So Mel Gibson could have looked at this manuscript for his story, right? Because it's it's taking us through the whole. We have um, the the mocking. Um, they're he's blindfolded and and they're whipping him and tormenting him. But there was an enemy that Christ was there to slay, even though he was not uh, in a victor's position, or obviously in a victor's position mm. on the cross, right? Well, I, I'm getting what I'm realizing. I'm getting going to get into trouble. Is showing I, now. I'm showing you a picture of him bound to the the, the uh, pillar and being flagellated. And it, again, these late medieval images end up quite bloody. They get little drops of blood everywhere. And uh, the um, mm -hmm. apparently the addition of the the red ink in the in this manuscript is quite interesting technically. That to make sure that it was you know looked dribbly and droppy, they had to paint it on top of white so that it would stand out. <laughs> 
So in the in um because you've made you've made me think of the hymn that we sing at the end of Easter at the at the resurrection. Mm. As the 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 lover knight of mankind and the lover knight of man's soul coming to slay the enemy that's um imprisoned man. Christ has fulfilled that role, that chivalric role for mankind, but the, right. the enemy was in, an invisible one. And the, we sing the hymn at the resurrection, which celebrates the defeat of that enemy. And uh, it's death itself. Death is the dragon. Death is the thief of mankind. Right. So the only way that Christ was able to slay that particular dragon as the as the crusader knight was by dying which is why we sing uh christ has risen from the dead through death trampling death and to all who are in the tombs everlasting life that's his great uh quest and uh conquest as the knight right well so interestingly there are I, I was hoping that this was a good this was a good topic to to take people through after talking about Mary in the Ark. Mary is the Ark yeah. because always with Mary and and she's she's um, being shown. Actually, no. The here we have Christ carrying the cross and then a nun um, kneeling down and and seeing his side wound. Right. Um, there's another image that he's he's shown with Mary more intimately. That whenever we talk about Mary, the problem always comes up. Well, she can't be immaculately conceived because she needed Christ to save her too. <clears throat> and then you realize that question, that is a good question because it does raise the question of, well, exactly, why did all of this work? <laughs> seriously, right? Let's, let's serious, seriously, seriously think about this. So, so in, okay. in, in, in the little parable, we have, he's a knight and he's rescuing her. Fairly straightforward mm -hmm. and simple, right? Except yes. in this story, which I'm still paging, I'll go to the next page. Um, now we have him on the cross and um, being mocked and his clothes off so that he can be, they can be played dice over and Mary and John witness here on the crucifixion. How, how is this at all like a night jousting? Hmm. It, you know, there's there's ways you can read it metaphorically, and in some of the exemplar, it says you know it's like he's being put on the cross, like the knight being set on his horse. Like, well, okay, that's you mm -hmm. know the, the 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 cross as horse that he rides. Um, and th there's more ancient meditations on this. For example, in the Anglo-Saxon Dream of the Rood, which is the a dream in which the cross speaks. Um, appears first as a triumphal cross with jewels and everything, but then it's then it it appears bleeding um okay. and and the cross is you know part of the part of the battle right it, it it valiantly holds up against the 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 battle that the 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 warrior the hero who climbs it and and takes on the battle um also in, also engages in but but this problem of exactly how Christ is in fact dragon slayer when he is the one slain it's not an it's not an easy mystery to unpack and a good part of mm. scholastic debate over 
the you know 11th 12th 13th centuries is in fact arguing over exactly what 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 kind of effect does the crucifixion have and this is you know it carries on into obviously into the 16th century when people are still anxious about exactly what does it mean to be saved what it, what is our yeah. salvation and you say from death but what you know why why if 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 indeed if if god could save mary from sin simply by you know protecting her making her from the beginning of time to be made without sin why not just fix it all for the rest of us you know god could do it yes why does it have to be through the crucifixion through the incarnation and through the these and, and christians you we do have to be able to answer this because it kind of all hangs on hangs on our understanding of what it means to meditate on the the cross mm. i'll see whether the chat says anything guys i I'm, I'm still kind of getting oh i can't see the chat right now sorry <laughs> my my obs is not perfectly set up to be able to see it in every, every context <laughs> I've actually like, I, can, I can go to the chat tell me here now chat you go here we go um Casey says Christ was raised high on the cross from where he defeated death. Exactly, but how? Right? The knight is raised high on his horse from where he defeats the thief, death. So there's the parallel. So the height. Yes. Um, the devil looks like Krampus. Yes, indeed, he does. What is the loaf of bread looking thing? I think that you probably mean the side wound um, and a dove. And things. Okay, so. But indeed, so he's lifted up on the cross. We can see the analogy and say, no, it's like being put on his horse so that he can joust with what in the in the crucifixion. Now, interestingly, in the earlier Middle Ages, the argument was made that the um, the devil, uh, the, the devil claimed mankind because of our sin and Christ pays the debt for mm -hmm. our, our sin. Right. So the devil's due. Right. He said that the devil is owed a price because he rightfully it's a very weird, sort of weird problem of can we make it legal um the, the the devil's owed his due and so christ pays it um anselm of canterbury goes through a very i mean logical and it's still per, to me persuasive because he does seem to step it out but saying why does god become man why does it why does it have to be a god man who accomplishes mm. this um, debt payment and and Ansem, I write about this in my first book. That Ansem is very clear that it's a debt. We're trying to figure out how to satisfy God's honor by paying him back what he is due. God is due, not the devil. The devil never owned. We never owe the devil anything because the devil doesn't own us. Um, but God does owe. God does um, deserve payment for our disobedience in some way. But the problem being, if a man simply pays it it's it's an infinite debt as you know a, hum, a human being as such could not pay it if god pays it well that's basically like the immaculate conception it's just sort of like snap his fingers and he's like fine you don't owe me anything it's over mm. <laughs> so anselm tries to argue it through and say well it has to be a god man because it's only in this way that both conditions could be satisfied Yeah, the, the the only one with enough credit to pay off all the debt, man. Right. Mm. Well, in in the way Anselm tells it, um, and Ans Anselm's Archbishop of Canterbury in the early 12th century, after having been abbot at Beck, um, and he's very famous for my world, 
um, for some prayers that he wrote, um, one of which is one of the one of the most famous for meditating on Christ's suffering, saying, why, why, oh my Lord, did, you know, was I not there to see you suffering in this way? But in his philosophical meditation, he's saying, he'll say, why does this suffering have to take the form that it did, which is, you know, the incarnate son, um, because only God can satisfy God's honor with this repayment, mm -hmm. but it's humanity's debt. So it has to be a human being who makes the offering. So it need, needed to be both. And, you know, that, that's where you get early scholastic reasoning, right? It's like, it's got, there's got to be some logic here. I'm going to figure out exactly why these two things have to go together. And Anselm tried. Then we're, we're edging dangerously close to the debate on the formula for the hypostasis, <laughs> which I don't like having. But well, um, but then you realize you realize why we why the question comes up because if yes. if in fact I'll go back to the the web pages because the the chat is stunned in horror. Um, if if you if you think a bit solely in terms of, um. You know, this is this is a man who was tortured to death. It's hard. Mm -hmm. It's horrific. What kind of God demands that, it, you know, human sacrifice? Which is what non-Christians tend to say. <laughs> and and some yes. and, and non-Catholics tend to think when they look at you know, crucifixes as, as as ornament. It's like, how, how can you spend your spend your um, worship meditating on this torture victim? That that torture victim and that that cross is the orientation point for everything else, though. That's why we have to meditate on it and focus on it, because in the in, I mean, it's not just the, it's the pagan religions. Plenty of the 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 heathen gods required human sacrifice, but they were re requiring the sacrifice of uh, enormous amounts of people. Um, that would not satisfy the gods, right? We have the the Mel Gibson apocalypto depiction of ancient uh, <laughs> South American civilization, where they're pushing all of those tribal people up into the top of the pyramid to be uh, killed by having their hearts cut out and then thrown down to the bottom of the pyramid. So it was always connected to like fertility cults and. Uh, there were never enough sacrifices to satisfy those gods. Right. This is the distinction between the heathen uh, cults and the the story of uh, of the crucifixion of Christ. Is this can only happen once, and it, it's not a it's not a sacrifice demanded of someone who's unwilling, like a you know a war captive or a slave. Mm. This is the the son seeing himself of all of his um, infinite majesty to become a man. It's a completely uh, self-emptying and loving expression towards mankind that he's stooping down to our level, coming to play with the pigs, so to speak. Mm -hmm. um, so it's not, you know, for us, we're not seeing this as, oh, you're staring at the the evidence of God's cruelty. This is the evidence of God's mercy because this would have been the only way for mankind to be reunited with the Lord. So 
it's just a perspective change. Right. People are looking at Catholics from the outside and thinking, you're meditating on a tortured man. This is absolutely gross. We're looking at it as a meditation on the, the, the second person of the Holy Trinity becoming flesh to take on that role of uh, intercession for us. It's, it's, it was not done uh, against his will. It was done fully with his uh, uh, intention to empty himself and become one of us. That's the, mm -hmm. that's the really humbling thing about it is you're staring at the infinite creator who's just become uh, despised and spat on as the thieves that were on either side of him. Right. Why? Right. <laughs> and why, this, indeed. why indeed and and this is this is what i see in this effort in a little cartoon series like this and the framing that they're giving it it's it's a it's a deep deep meditation on indeed what kind of scene is this we're saying this is this is the love that god had for yes. us this is a love story and somehow, this is why in this manuscript, there are actually those two images worth the shield of the night, and then we're going to get to, there's, um, now we have the, um, the, the death on the cross and the descent and the entombment that they're taking him down from the cross and then putting him in the tomb. And now we have, the um, resurrection and the harrowing of hell and the, the ascension. So skip to the happy part of the story. <laughs> needing, <laughs> needing, I need to get to where the other, that in, in, in sequence where the other image of the, the instruments was. Here we go. Okay, so we've just, we've just gone through that whole story. Now you realize these two sets of images that I showed you of the, the instruments, the one at the beginning, right after you've been given that parable of here he is, here's his shield with his arms. And now we've been taken through the story and said, and now look again, look again at, at what instruments, you know, inflicted the, these wounds on him. What are those? What are those instruments now? You know, can you, as the, as the reader, um, understand exactly why he went through that torture? class <laughs> <laughs> who under who understands i again i i, I think I, I i forgot to put a chat into this screen so they say um casey casey is 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 doing the most here so enter the dialectic how can you forget the debt that was paid the crucifixion is the debt paid well see this, this is interesting because I, I think maybe you were typing that when i was talking about anselm there's two different models here that are our intention one is the debt paid that god's mm -hmm. honor needs satisfaction that's just, that's anselm's satisfaction theory of the atonement right that god's honor needs to be satisfied and there's no it's a very futile um but also Debt is, is economic in this sense to its coin. There's a lot of uh, economic metaphors in the 11th century meditations. The debt needs to be paid and, and only, God, only God can pay himself, as it were. So there's that satisfaction. But this lover night story is taking you into a different kind of relationship with God, saying that, that it's not really the debt in, in these meditations. 
Um, Casey's mm-hmm. saying Gibson managed to show the humanity of the sacrifice victim hunters. You knew that they deserved death, but you still pitied them. To under okay, Mike, to understand our suffering, our suffering indeed is is Christ's suffering on the cross, and with all of these instruments that I can go back to. Is it about is it about our understanding our suffering? This is actually key to the story that we're writing in Draco Alchemicus. What the the meditation that I was having on how how do we flip our understanding to see why we say what the crucifixion is? I mean, I I do I mean it's like I flip flip back and forth between thinking that the satisfaction theory is a good one, the debt paid. One because it's like yes we did sin so much against God, and His honor requires somebody to pay that off. Which is you know it's, it's in weird ways why I think people get upset with the Immaculate Conception. It's like she should have had to you know suffer through being sinful like the rest of us until you know Christ took care of all of us at the same time. Why does she get to have a good you know why does she get to have a grace filled sinless life and we don't I, i'm not sure people say it quite that way but it, there's sort of a a fury at a fury at the lack of, of the lack of equality in mary's experience rather than a recognition of the hierarchy of 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 blessedness i, I don't know um versus what in fact is being shown in these late medieval meditations they get gorier and gorier and gorier right it's 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 it's, it's a it's a thing that's hard often for people not familiar with this imagery to to be okay with it's like why are they so awful and purient and nearly pornographic have you seen gibson's movie it get you know it's like at the, the end of it you're like mm. i'm not sure i want to watch that again that was pretty rough it's a snuff film yeah almost <laughs> it is isn't it i i it is i mean t- technically watching well i mean Kevazil didn't die thank think thankfully but um well he doesn't run from Mulharo. Being caught and hit by lightning, something it's like somebody got some, some, sometimes it's p- truly physically perilous playing Jesus in a movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, the Gibson does not run from horror, which is why that movie is so beautiful. Mm. Um, because I think we've tended to sterilize that story a lot. He humanized Christ very well. Yes. In the passion, he did, he really did. Um, but I'm, I mean, I'm just thinking in terms of like the, the knight coming to get the, the woman who's been stolen, uh, there is the sense also that the only way to reveal his virtue is to show what he's capable of doing with the, the stolen, the stolen woman, Mm. the stolen love. Uh, it's not uh, just the, the 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 payment, like the coin for the credit card that we all racked up over the millennia, as much as it is the actual revelation of him in glory, in his mercy and majesty, that the only way to see that aspect of God truly w- w- is to look on him uh, crucified. That's the ultimate uh, act of mercy on on his creation. So I, I mean, in 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 that sense, to save uh, the human race or the knight going to save the woman who's been uh, captivated, mm. it's a much a revelation of the knight as it is 
a story about how uh, somebody was saved from a thief. Right. Um, how would we know that that the the second person of the Holy Trinity was that magnificent if we hadn't seen him in that uh, despised death, tortured, and buried? I just it's it was the most horrific way of being uh, condemned to death you could imagine. It was the only way to see him uh, as as the perfect one that he is. Well, here's, here's what the Futures Handbook that I was looking at today um, says. It's a passage on Christ's passion, mm -hmm. which is coming in a, in a series of meditations on the seven deadly sins, and this is under envy, right? So this is the antidote to envy, which is interesting if you think about hierarchy and problems. But um, mm -hmm. in the fourth and last place, it remains to see how this charity, when it has been driven away and is almost completely lost, may be found again and recovered. So envy drives out love. Verily thus, if man would diligently consider and intently weigh within him what love Christ has shown us, not only in his blessed incarnation, but also in his cruel passion, from which nothing could hold him back, that he might hear or see or understand or fear, so that he would not want to suffer death for us in order to free us from external death and the power of the devil. And this is the thing. For Christ wanted to show his exceedingly great love than which there is none greater when he offered his soul to God the Father for our redemption and gave his body most humbly and without guilt over to death. After the word of John 15, greater love than this no man has than a man lay down his life for his friends. Um, so in, in this context, they're saying the, the, what, there's redemption, and redemption is actually like redemption from captivity. It's paying out, paying for slave, the slave to be, yes. to be redeemed. Like it's literally... A ransom. It's a ransom. Ransom payment. It's the ransom yeah. payments, but the the and and I still I still struggle myself with exactly how the 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 death is a ransom payment. Um, maybe we're getting there as a, as we're talking about it. But the the reason for this lover night story is saying this is God showing His love for humanity that He mm -hmm. He is um, the the the, cruci the crucifixion is the the proof of the enormity of his love for humanity and that the more you meditate on what he suffered, the more you see how much he loved us. Mm. Um, and, and this, this lover night story comes in, in, in this, this interesting retelling of Ovid and Virgil. And it's, 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 um, quite odd, but I'm um, spiritually speaking this night, Aeneas, cause he's playing off of Virgil is Christ who loved this girl, man's soul so much that in order to make her rich and noble, he took on him our nature and became poor and entered a fierce war for her sake against the enemy of mankind. In it, he was so terribly wounded that, as Isaiah says, from the sole of his foot to the top of his head, there is no soundness in him. As he issued from this war hardly alive, he confidently approached the door of the soul for whom he had suffered so much, so that she, moved above all else by love and compassion, might comfort and refresh him in his need. Um, then he knocks that he may be let in, as is said in Revelation 3, see, I stand at the gate and knock. Um, what else? Indeed, there he calls out loudly the words of the canticles, this, the Song of Songs, open my sister, my friend, my turtle dove. Um, but then she's ungracious and, and so forth. So 
there's, I mean, what, obviously what we're trying to get you to here is their scriptures behind all of this. And um, a very interesting interweaving of scriptures, including this idea of God being passionately, desperately in love with humanity. Mm. And it's not just in the New Testament. It's actually the entire story. <laughs> uh, and, and, and therefore, then the crucifixion starts to make more sense if you see it in the context of this, this love. But, uh, for example, things like, why, why are these late medieval crucifixions so incredibly bloody and gory? Well, because they're reading the prophets like Isaiah that says um, he, was, he was so wounded. That's um, Isaiah 53. Now I have the marks in my Bible for all of these things that I wanted to get to quickly. There we go. Um, despised in the most abject of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with infirmity, and his look was as it were hidden and despised, whereupon we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our infirmities and carried our sorrows, and we have thought him as it were a leper, and as one struck by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our iniquities, he was bruised for our sins, the chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his bruises we are healed. Oh, and I skipped the verse that actually had it. He shall grow up as a tender plant before him and as a root out of a thirsty ground. There is no beauty in him, nor comeliness. And we have seen him, there was no sightliness that we should be desirous of him. Um, so the, the late medieval crucifixion images are trying to realize that prophecy, saying there's nothing left of beauty in, in Christ on the cross. And, he's, and Gibson, mm -hmm. Gibson is trying to show that too. He's just completely um, beat up. Mm. Uh, therefore, it is actually meant to, to then show the truth of of Christ as 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 revealed in the prophecies. And here, because he went through this suffering, that fulfills this particular um, description. Yes. But why does he have to go through all of this? Sure. <laughs> we have not answered that part yet. No. Not yet. Why does he have to go through all of this? It's the marriage of the lamb. Yes. Where does that come from? Where do we, why, why do we end up with, you realize that the whole of the Bible is a love story from beginning to end. It starts with creation. It ends with, yes. I mean, we'll keep going in the pictures to get you there. Um, okay. We have here. Um, Mary and her suffering waiting for him. Um, some pages without pictures. You're disappointed now, I'm sure. I'm not sure that this is a manuscript. I, there's a facsimile of this book, but I, I'm not sure that someone's done a proper um, translation of the text. So here we have the women coming to the tomb and the angel in it showing them that there's just uh, grave clothes and he's not there and then um the women seeing christ uh, resurrected and always you know the the let's remember always that in christianity it's the women that witness first to the resurrection if you ever have anybody make the nonsensical claim that um christianity just de devalues women recognize that the only reason that we know about the resurrection in the story is because the women get there first to anoint the body that isn't there, and, and they're the first ones who see him. And this is this is um, often liturgically represented in medieval 
practice with uh, the pl uh, one of the earliest dramas. We've been talking about drama and like, do do we put this in story? Do we put this in drama? This scene of the three Marys going to the tomb is liturgically one of the considered one of the first, the earliest dramatic performances that the the church does from the tenth century or so. We have scripts of the women going to the tomb. So played by men if they're doing it in a monastery interesting problem um but it's it's the women that go to the tomb and and find find it empty um and then we have various appearances of christ to his mother there's a lovely picture yeah oh this this one i like this this is the um uh, the uh, uh, travelers on the road to Emmaus, who then rec you know they uh, they only recognize Christ when he shows them the way in which all of the prophecies were fulfilled in the crucifixion, because they're really upset. Yes. Saying, Don't you know that that Jesus was was crucified and it you know it's over? Whatever happened is is nonsensical and makes no sense. And um, Christ is there and explains to them the, the the way the prophecies have been fulfilled, and then their eyes are opened when he breaks the bread at, at at meal, and but as he's explaining the scriptures to them, their hearts burn within within them, recognizing that he is who he had said all along in the in the um, prophecies, but they couldn't see it, and now they finally they finally mm. can. And it's this ability to see in the see the way Christ is fulfilling the prophecies that, again, we're trying in our discussions to to help you all see how the New Testament, and the Old Testament, necessarily talk to each other. It's always yeah. in in conversation. Um, so here's some more appearances of the resurrected Christ. We can't have one without the other. Um, this this is his appearance embracing of his mother and you really wouldn't she was there under the cross he's going to appear to her after his his resurrection um and then this is showing his ascension and pentecost so we have a dove um and at the bottom of that image showing mary's dormition the, 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 this is it what what you want is this fullness of of this narrative in all of these different scenes, and we're meditating on each one because this happens in time, it happens in story, but we're going to get to the, the um, sort of mythological understanding. And here we are now. She's been, um, she's died and is now in heaven, crowned next to him. The other image in this picture is him with Joseph, who he's bringing out of his, his tomb as well. Hmm. And then, oh, and now he's bringing all of the other little souls out of death. And here we are, splash scene. This is what we're aiming at, which is, I can show the whole thing. Here we go, heaven. Um, this one's the choirs of angels. There's another one um, that shows the different saints, right? But it's it's this hierarchical court with Christ and Mary at the top, and then the the ranks of all the angels. But the next picture shows the ranks of all the saints. So it's 
So we're getting to the, the true bride, which you mentioned, Revelation. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the church, the church of Christ as the bride of Christ. Right. Which is the, the, the image that we're constantly singing about in the liturgy of the, the apostolic churches. I should say church, but unfortunately we're in, not talking to each other very well right now. Um, <laughs> but we, we've always been described as the bride that Christ is coming to, uh, to redeem and to, uh, to marry. Um, and of course, uh, there were the parables in the New Testament that were told about this. We, mm -hmm. You have the, the the wise virgins and the foolish virgins. Virgins, the wise virgins, the trimming their wicks, getting ready to uh, be summoned at any time whatsoever right. uh, by the bridegroom. And of course, you've got your foolish virgins who are sitting around not doing much because they think, oh, we'll just get some of the, you know. We'll get oil from the other girls. It's fine. We don't need to prep. <laughs> Preppers, however, <laughs> in the spiritual sense, uh, did very well. So the bridegroom arrives and calls them. The uh, silly girls on the floor are begging these wise virgins for oil. They refuse. Uh, because they said, well, what are we supposed to do? We won't have enough for ourselves if we give it to you. Mm. So they leave with the bridegroom. But this is the image of the church. Uh, why marriage? It might seem uncomfortable, but it's the best way of describing the unification of man and, and, and Christ. The only way is the marriage of becoming one flesh with him. Mm -hmm. But this is a, this is a bit of a, a scandalous topic amongst modern Christians, <laughs> is it not? <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I've spent so many years studying these medieval images. I forget that people don't know all of them. <laughs> and, no, they don't. And, <laughs> and, 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 and therefore, and therefore, when I read something like, "Oh, let's see," um, let him kiss me with the kiss of his mouth, for thy breasts are better than wine, smelling sweet of the best ointments. I mean, ointments and oil, right? Thy name is as oil poured out. Therefore, young maidens have loved thee. Draw me, we will run after thee to the odor of thy ointments. The king has brought me into his storerooms. We will be glad and rejoice in thee, remembering thy breasts more than wine. The righteous love thee. I am black but beautiful, O ye daughters of Jerusalem, as the tents of cedar, as the curtains of Solomon. Do not consider me that I am brown, because the sun has altered my color. The sons of my mother have fought against me. They have made me the keeper in the vineyards. My vineyard I have not kept. Show me, O thou whom my soul loveth, where thou feedest, where thou livest in the midday, lest I begin to wander after the flocks of thy companions. It goes on. And if you haven't read the Song of Songs recently, you should. <laughs> um, that, you know, medieval Christians reading that would recognize the story I've just shown you. And it, it was actually quoted in the, in the preacher's manual when the, the, um, the bridegroom calls to the bride saying, open my sister, my friend, my turtle dove is quoting from the Song of Songs and that the Song of Songs, this love poem in the Old Testament is understood as the, the conversation that Christ has with soul, the church, Mary, <laughs> mm -hmm. all of those, right? That there's this um, both 
um, the individual soul and the, the, the church as his bride are both seen in the bride, as is Mary, who is, is especially his bride, right? But she's not, that. it's like we're all a bride. The, the entire picture that is on screen right now is Christ and Mary at the top. She's, you know, crowned and seated, seated with him in, in heaven. But there's all the ranks of the saints who are there um, also as part of the bride, right? So it's, stop worrying about being left out if Mary is bride. You're not. <laughs> You're the bride, too, in the heavenly Jerusalem with all of the virgins who are with her singing the new song of the Lamb. Yeah, the new Jerusalem. That's remarrying his, uh, his, uh, his people. That's, uh, a completely redeemed Jerusalem. So it's not just like, oh, we're going to, you know, make a new one. It's the renewal of Jerusalem itself, spiritual sense. Um, but the, the the image of him is that he has to enter into our in order to redeem us from our slavery. So this is what we're focusing on in Draco Alchemicus a lot. Mm -hmm. that it's what what it actually means for Christ to enter into the slavery of mankind, the bondage of flesh. This. Uh, this kind of world system that we've built up around ourselves after the fall, like what, what it actually means for him to, um, to experience it and to draw us out of it. Talking about the that. way we've behaved. Right. And this yes. is, I, I think, I, <laughs> the thing is, I think I, I was trying to remember whether we've talked about this in the streams yet, yet now, but I'm going to like highlight it now. The, the, the place where this story of, God as lover shows up is in the Old Testament <laughs> and and it and it's very specifically in the prophets and it's um um for example in Ezekiel um when as the as the chapter heading says so that I don't have to read the, absolutely the whole thing under the figure of an unfaithful wife God upbraids Jerusalem with her ingratitude and manifold disloyalties but promises mercy by a new covenant Christianity is simply reading the reading the Old Testament, saying, "Oh yes, it's there. <laughs> We're going to find it all." And the way in which Jerusalem is described is as a harlot. Right? The the whore of Babylon in in Revelation is actually a recapitulation of what is the city like when she falls away from God. Um, and and this is yeah. in, in Ezekiel, God is describing all of the. The ways in which he ornamented her, her as bride. I clothed thee with embroidery and shod thee with violet-colored shoes. I girded thee about with fine linen and clothed thee with fine garments. We've got bracelets, we've got jewels, we've got gold, we've got linen. And thy renown went forth among the nations for thy beauty. For thou wast perfect through my beauty, which I had put upon thee, said the Lord God. But trusting in thy beauty, thou playest the harlot because of thy renown, and thou hast prostituted thyself to every passenger to be his. And taking of thy garments, thou hast made the high places sewed together on each side. They made, they made um, the mini skirts, I suppose. <laughs> and has played the harlot upon, I don't know, like open sleeves, and hath not been done before, nor that. Anyway, the, the, the image of Jerusalem playing the harlot is the Old Testament image of what it is when humanity that Jerusalem falls away from her bridegroom, God, and, and that that, yes. that that imagery of 
God loving us so much. Um, but also, as in the, the Christ of Lover Night story at the beginning, the thief, the thief takes her away, but does she go with him willingly or not? I mean, no matter what, sin means you get locked away in this prison far from the night. And he comes in anyway and fights to redeem mm. her and take her back and, and restore her to um, her glory with him. Well, what's happened to the formerly Christian nations? We're, we're looking mm. at it right now. We've all become gold-digging whores. <laughs> <laughs> so who's, you know, we started, we started with our, our, you know, it's like gender, the gender problems of today, whether women are behaving like men and men are not, you know, I, in the chat, someone was saying, you know, the women can't trust that the men will stand up for them. Well, you know, the city is playing the harlot to the thief. Yeah. All of it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like, uh, we got the goodies without the faithfulness. And it, it's like the macro level and the micro level, but really, I mean, like, what have, what have Western people done? What have Europeans done? We got all of the goodies from Christendom. We got, we, we you know, we raided the church. We got all the goodies from Christ. And then we said, no, we don't need it. Right. We don't need him. We just need the stuff. So our culture is kind of that uh, uh, marketplace uh, now where we, we just kind of see everything as transactional. Marriage is transactional. It's like, it's not the spiritual mystical union between people. It's a, a business contract. I mean, our culture operates like that. Mm -hmm. that's, that's the West without this uh, Christian mythology behind marriage, behind family, behind, uh, behind everything. Mm -hmm. Well, and, and to think that what most people know of Christian marriage is mm -hmm. that one passage from Ephesians, which is true, right? It's all, it's all of yes. what we've been talking about is still in there, that Christ is to the church as, as a bridegroom is to his bride. Yes. What does that mean? <laughs> what, <laughs> this level of, I mean, God loved humanity so much um, that he gave us all these, you know, treasures and gifts and adorned us beautifully. I mean, in, in, in medieval meditations, there'll be all the virtues um, yeah. that, that he has given our, our souls, all of, all of, you know, you could say all the talents and skills, the, 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 the earth to live in. And we have fallen away from him in sin, and yet he comes to rescue us. Mm. So we can't rescue ourselves? <laughs> that's can basically we? the argument can isn't we? it I mean, yes you're with right the, with the girls who refuse who refuse to accept the necessity for chivalry can women save ourselves from all of this madness do, can we run at everything can we pick up arms like men and do their job is it possible no 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 as much as I like playing the man on the internet, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I, I know I'm not one sometimes. Uh, the, but you realize that we've got, I'd say this is why I'm, I would, you know, I did a blog post about this back in the Milo days. I'm called Gen Lies of the Left Gender Fluidity. Um, mm -hmm. Say, you know, all of, all of this stuff about, we mentioned at the beginning of the stream that, you know, Joan of Arc as, as non-binary and such. I'm like, you, you have no idea. <laughs> The, the 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 
the gendered relationship of humanity to God is as bride to bridegroom, which means all of humanity plays the feminine. So, yeah, I guess just, you know, off the top of my head, inverting women so that they need all to be in armor and taking on the masculine role. Well, it's, it's, mm -hmm. it's, it's, a, it, it's a curious inversion because I said this, this manuscript was made for, for women, made for nuns. Nuns sang the same psalms as the, nut, as the monks, which means when I, went, when I went out to learn to be a fencer because I needed to understand the military metaphors in the, the psalms, right? Um, sing, singing about, um, you know, the Lord of hosts going forth with his armies and um, doing battle against his enemies and, and so forth. There's, if you want a lot of chivalry, it's, all, it's a lot there in the psalms. Nuns were considered warriors too. So you, mm. you, you're just behind if, if, you're, if you're not actually reading. I think I, I, if I can close this up and show you the beginning picture. Unless you're these ladies, you're really not putting the right armor on. Um, this is an image of Abbas Kunigund, who's the princess for whom, the literal princess, right? Daughter of king, who, for whom this manuscript was made. She's there with her Dominican preacher who wrote the text and um, the scribe on one side, and then this collection of other women um, and, a, and a young woman, a little girl, probably her, it says it's her daughter, um, the nuns of her community. Nuns were considered warriors too. If you want armor, they're wearing it. <laughs> well, that's, that's where we get to our AK-47 rosary. Yes, <laughs> yes. The, the, these nuns carrying, the, carrying their weapons against the devil, they're part of it with their prayers, right? But the obverse of that is that humanity, all of humanity in relationship to God is feminine, the bride. So our gender confusion, it's like the layers of which, le which problem of, you know, the, the, the bill that Marjorie Taylor Greene just introduced today um, to, to, to try to protect children against being physically transformed. Um, it, it's like the, taking these physical transformations on without being willing to appreciate the spiritual effects that they're having and vice versa, right? That maybe we're chivalrically disordered because we're not, in fact, in the proper chivalric relationship with God. Yes, and it's an it's it's an external uh, mutilation without uh, without fully accepting responsibility of the other sex as well, which I find very mm. interesting, because people want to be changing their gender without assuming. I mean, for example, if you're a woman, uh, the, the women are. Uh, wanting to change their gender and not realizing this actually means if you're going to assume the identity of a man, then you should rightfully be responsible as a man. Uh, I don't know if they're thinking of it in this way, but the, uh, the, the cosmetic change, uh, I think is, yeah, as I said before, it's just a, a revelation of an existing dysphoria, mm. but, but giving the, the fullness of a man, masculine responsibility to a woman is it's impossible we can't do it at least in my opinion we can't build civilization we can't hold civilization we never will be able to the, 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 the women the surgeries will be yeah the women the, the women cannot do it well see what's interesting is the medieval nuns actually had a masculine role 
they're monks. Mm. And, and, and since yes. both monks and the nuns are celibate, their stories about how they're not, but they're ideally celibate. <laughs> um, and and th that the nuns are, you know, the nuns are given an, I mean, an honorable role and a, a significant role as prayer. I mean, when, when people talk about, oh, pray for me, pray for me, pray for me, what the people that did most of the, you know, intercessory prayer in, in this fashion in the, in the high middle ages were often the women, uh, you know, yeah. we have, People writing to the to the nuns specifically asking for their intercessory prayers for the souls and 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 the women themselves taking on that role. These women have a masculine role, right? This is you know, Gladriel in armor has nothing on Kunigund and her nuns, <laughs> who are mm -hmm. up there against the devil in their in their prayer life and discipline to it. Look, they're an army. They, yes. Look at them in uniform, right? They are there as an army, um, and. I'd say it's in, what I I think I'm trying to get us to is we have we're we're gender disordered now because we're not in our proper relationship with God. I mean the, the the internet is full of things saying God is the Father, God is the Father. It's like yes, which means you as the soul are in relationship to the Father, not simply you know not just as he's made he's masculine and it's patriarchy. No 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 no. <laughs> the the soul the 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 city the the church is to God as the beloved bridegroom bride is to the bridegroom, yes. and it's it's interesting if we don't have that spiritual hierarchy of human and divine divine and human properly ordered we we're disordered in all of our other relationships, so it's 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 much more complicated it's I say simpler and comp more complicated than. Um, simply saying, you know, the, the, the social relationships of men and women need to be traditional. Well, I don't, you know, most people don't even know what traditional is. In, which in tradition? My, which, <laughs> which one have we been talking about, right? It, it, I, I'm guessing a lot of people will never have heard this. And mm. they'll, be, they'll tell us in the comments how I made it all up, despite the fact of having a Bible in my lap with loads of more markers, more <laughs> markers than I even read. Um, in in this stream to say, as medieval Christians are reading it mystically and 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 morally, they're seeing all. So I did do a, a meditation. And I'll show you another place where you can find me trying to explain this. Um, I'm I'm also fencing bear at prayer, which is actually um, you know topical to our talking about this military imagery for women and prayer and so forth. And my fencing bear at prayer blog started back in 2008 as uh, a meditation in, in this guise. And this is, I have on screen and I'll put it in the links, um, an early meditation that I did when reading um, Andrew Greeley's myth, uh, myths of, of religion. It's like the whole, the whole book he called something else. This, this was from uh, the, the, the section in that book called the Sinai myth. So he's meditating mm -hmm. on the ast astonishing claim that the Old Testament makes about God's relationship with humanity. Um, and I'm not going to read this whole thing. You can, you can read it, but uh, he, he's, he's, he's mainly about um, talking about why spiritual exercises don't work. It's like the, the, he's Catholic, right? And he's saying, you know, all of the, all these exercises, they're all finding good, but they're like training, right? They're military training. Hmm. Um, what, 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 what we need to have is, is hope 
and believe that God loves us with the intensity that the Old Testament describes. So he says, um, he's saying there's an hypocrisy in, in creating the hope. Um, and that this this love of God is shown for us, for example, in the Song of Songs. So, me, indeed, so great is God's overflowing of kindness and love for us that God pursues us with all the passion of the bridegroom of the Song of Songs for his bride. You have ravished my heart, my sister, my bride. You have ravished my heart with the glance of your eyes, with one jewel of your necklace. How sweet is your love, my sister, my bride. How much better is your love than wine and the fragrance of your oils than any spice. And then Greeley comments, Quote, those who will be offended by the imagery will be inclined not to take the imagery seriously. There is something undignified about a God who permits himself to be described as lusting for his creatures. <laughs> In addition, it is also <laughs> incredible that God should pursue us with a passionate tenderness, the way the groom pursues the bride in the Song of Songs. We may even applaud the imagery as being beautiful, but still refuse to live lives in which we really believe that the ground of being, the ultimate, the absolute, or ipsum esse, as we used to call him familiarly in the days of scholastic philosophy, really relates to us as a passionate lover. Beautiful symbol, yes, but scarcely one that can be taken literally, end quote. And my meditation in this exercise for the day is believe this. And I'm like, oh, I can't, it's too hard. <laughs> how can you how can you take that on you know to imagine that yes god is saying to god is saying to the soul behold you are beautiful my love behold you are beautiful your eyes are doves behind your veil your hair is like a flock of goats moving down the slopes of gilead your lips are like a scarlet thread and your mouth is lovely your two breasts are like two fawns twins of a gazelle that feed among the lilies you are all fair my love and there is no flaw in you that that's the past the stands verse that's taken to describe mary in the immaculate conception so it comes you know it's like it's a reading through of the song of songs but this is about the soul come with me from lebanon my bride come and i mean i'm saying i've been reading this text for many years because by the time i wrote this i'd written my dissertation and my book on the imagery in the song of songs and getting to Greeley, who's saying this is about god's love for his bride this is and it's it's not just you personally William James, when he wrote his lectures on, on psychology, said, you know, Gertrude of Helfta, one of these nuns from the late Middle Ages, Benedictine nuns, late 14, 13th century, 14th century, she describes herself as being loved by God and, you know, Christ, and it's all so purient, and, and you know, and you're like, well, you know, it's in the book. <laughs> and, and it's in the book of God describing his love for Jerusalem, his love for his bride, the city. Um, over and over and over again, this Christ is the lover knight, which we are trying to see as, um, you know, the, I'm showing the lover knight again, the, the little parable, that this is the degree to which God so loved us that, and then the, med, the Arma Christi meditation, every, he took, he, our sins create these wounds. And, and that's usually the late medieval meditation. The reason that he is so disfigured and, and unrecognizable, Jim Cavazil, after the, the tech guys got finished with him, making him look bloody, is because we did it. This is how much we hurt God when we sin. Yes. 
Our harlotry has disfigured him. Yes. It's us, it's us, it's us, it's us. And and so when I when we get on the internet and and people are, you know, arguing theology and arguing, you know, the right, you know, which institution has the right leader, I I just see this image, this you were doing it again. We're 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 throwing dice for his garments, trying to decide which of us mm -hmm. gets to have the 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 unwoven garment the one that you know goes back all the way without blemish nobody ever made a mistake in our tradition i'm getting i'm gonna rant now Do it. <laughs> i've been i've been wa i've been watching i've been watching videos and and one one of my one i, I do a shout out if i could remember how to pronounce his name michael frayer right he's got a lot of really good how to do obs videos and he says don't rant be happy have fun on your live stream but you can rant occasionally if it, you know my rant <laughs> If you are proclaiming yourself righteous, go and look at this image again. See that it's our harlotry that did this to our bridegroom. I yes. quite choked up at this. We're, we've all become gold digging bitches. Yes. Which is something that I've, uh, I've been playing with a lot. And baiting everyone to tell me exactly what the acceptable level of gold digging is in human relationships. Because, I, I, you know, I, I love asking people this. Would you marry an ugly man? Would you marry a poor man? You know? What what do you actually want? What, do, what does everybody actually want? Of course, everyone gives me all of their answers. Oh, you know, I don't really mind about this mm -hmm. and that and the other thing. End of the day, it's mostly bullshit. We're... Uh, we're set as human beings to be gold diggers. It's just, a, it's kind of like the acceptable level, right. right? Like what can you get away with without it being too obvious to everybody until you get to like the magnificence of Anna Nicole Smith's level. <laughs> <laughs> Completely shameless. But this was it. This was, this was what we became. And then uh, leaving the night, leaving our great love or whatever uh, other things were interesting to us at the time. Right. And then, uh, of course, he's the one who bears the cost of all of it. He's disfigured in this way because he's showing us how ugly sin is. Mm -hmm. Yes. It makes us ugly. We just don't see it the way that he sees it. Exactly. And he mm -hmm. had to show, show us, show us this is, and, and these are, these are the late medieval meditations. I did a paper back in the day when I, I praying by numbers, right? And there's meditations on how many wounds he carried. Like, again, Mel Gibson is doing this within the proper long tradition. It's like, we're going to count up all of the lashes. We're going to count up how many wounds he sustained. And the, I mean, I'm really affecting myself by this. <laughs> Every single one, and and the the med the meditation and the liturgy is Christ's the improperia, right? The reproaches from the cross. Why, why, why did you do this to me? And because he's our bridegroom and loves us, he comes and he and he takes all of it, right? It's like I I'm I'm bearing absolutely every one of the. The sins you took, you disfigured your own soul with. Mm. 
So make we say in the liturgy, he, he took the shame of spitting for us. Yes. He took the shame of spitting for us. We're all harlots, all of us. This is the, 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 the interesting thing with the culture wars and the discussion over things like OnlyFans and what's happened to women, well, you know, in particular, our inability, you know, our lack of virtue, our inability to submit to men, everyone's screaming, oh, submit, submit, submit. <laughs> but, you know, uh, it's just kind of like the, we're fully realizing now what it, it, what harlotry means. It's just completely off the chain. Mm -hmm. uh, Israel only fans God. <laughs> uh, yes. Well, yeah. well, the nations, I should say. She left her husband to only fans the nations. I uh, she left her husband to uh, to only fans. I mean, the enemy, right? I think that's that's mm. in the in the story with the 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 thief, and and that yeah. it comes out in in the you know theology of the redemption that we were talking about earlier, saying exactly what does it take for Christ to get us away from the, that that thief, that Satan, and saying with Anselm and the 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 idea of the devil's debt, Anselm's replacing the idea of the devil's debt with God's honor, but what, you know that transactional meditation the chivalric meditation comes in and says no it's about god's love for us and which is uh, obviously has deep support in the prophets they're reading the prophets very carefully in the high middle ages and they're seeing the way in which all all of these prophecies are fulfilled in christ and one of them is in this his love for us god's love for us so how do we how do we regain the chivalry in our culture or this sense, this appreciation of chivalry in our culture. Because, I mean, I hate what we have now. We're living in a kind of nightmare where everybody's inverted, even if they're not mutilating their bodies. You know, right. even without a mastectomy, women are mutilated. They're not feminine. They're not able to be uh, mothers and hearts of, of home. They've been pushed outside of their natural uh, role. Men have been... Um, distorted in their own ways as well so it i suppose that i'm saying this because this is why i'm talking about it online so much right. it's it's that without this chivalric love without this understanding of the relationship between christ and his bride our culture cannot function as a christian culture we are we absolutely need chivalry exactly exactly How to build it? <laughs> can, can, can you legislate people to be chivalrous? Like you know, this is the kind of thing where it's like everyone's arguing. Okay, well, we need this, that, and the other thing, and if we get this person into power, then they'll fix this. But can this be legislated? This is a completely different level. Maybe I took us off into. No, I think I think I, I think now it's like to be continued. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that we that we're going to need to think about. We do need to think about the law. I have a lot to to say after a conference that I spent. I spent a week at in St. Louis at the International Congress on Medieval Canon Law, and I have 
reading to do on the law, which I think comes into this. Um, I'm I'm just hoping, you know, it's like we we've we've already just in our our crash course in how to be online gone through a lot of the major grounding themes that we've been trying to talk about, the media, Mary Ma the Marian imagery and the Ark and the Old and New Testament and now the chivalry. We one of the we have to start building back up our sense of where what this story is that we're in, and that's most truly most people. I mean, we talk about we're going to just say go read your Bible, right? Just like you have we have to be reading it. I think with the level of attention to all of this imagery that the medieval commentators and and liturgists and artists and you know devout laymen and women all read it in order to have it like in our bones to be able to see the relationships and resonances and it's it's taken me you know decades of reading the medieval commentaries to really get some of it and I still keep finding new ways in which all these pieces come together it's it's a magnificent mosaic <laughs> to go with our theme <laughs> um but I I I'm just you know I I get distressed when I think, you know, God does speak to us simply, right? Here's this metaphor that we spent some time talking about this evening of, of the, the bride and the bridegroom. Any one of these metaphors is going to have this effect, right? We're going to be blossoming out into places that I just don't, I very, I've very rarely seen modern Christians go. And I'd say maybe, you know, I was, I was trying to think in McLuhan terms, with the internet, where what we retrieve by being on the internet. Well, one thing is two hour long sermons. <laughs> Which, do we still have, do we still have people talking at all? Have they, they gone into, no, it's just Casey. Okay. Oh, Yancy. <laughs> um, Yancy says, I'm glad I caught this live stream. Great insights. I hope you're still with us. And if you're not, I mean, the, the, one of the things hopefully we're going to be able to do in these live streams is start showing you the layers and they they reach back out we've lost we haven't just lost a few sound bites and um you know rules we've lost the entire culture that built those cathedrals and and you know yes. it belongs in showing my props right it belongs in reading the gospel the the, the the bible in all of its layers with all of its references it's it this is the the, the sermon book that i was reading from it's like a little bundle of morals right is what it's called and it's it's fat the, the 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 christian teaching that we're missing out on is enormous and so when i say get medieval i mean it <laughs> but but in but in in this like I, there's so much joy and richness in that culture that somehow got flattened out and lost and maybe we'll be talking about that too where it went I think that would be a good place to uh, start Yay. the next conversation. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> we have, okay, so now we've, at the proof of concept, right? We hope yes. to, we hope to have a, con, a, you know, a focus theme that we're going to talk about through these streams, but even we do not necessarily know exactly where it's going to take us when we go in, because that's the nature of this commentary practice that we're trying to show you. It's like you get in and it takes you th through references and resonances and, and ties things together and by the end of it you can suddenly see um a, a I mean, diagram that with those windows that we're showing you in our images 
all of these relationships are there, but you've been focused on one little piece of it, or you've only gone one little thread. And to to really find yourself within this, the fullness of this mosaic, is um, a journey. So we need a we need we need an ark and a ship to take us <laughs> take us on that journey. Well, so thank you for joining us, everyone. And um, we look forward to seeing you on the next live stream. We are sharing this on Facebook. So I'm oh, sorry, on Facebook, not yet on Facebook. We are sharing this on YouTube. If you're watching on a YouTube, please subscribe so that we, we're going to be we're going to be as regular as we can be monastic discipline um, on, 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 on our weekly day, which we need to choose after we get through all the, 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 the summer holidays and, and practices. Um, but we'll also be having occasional you know dove inspired moments where we just jump on stream and talk to you those will be more on unauthorized anywhere else so subscribe to unauthorized so that you can be part of the conversation there and we look forward to seeing you on the next stream thank you for joining us bye bye bye